1: Jamie, hey Jamie. Hello. So this week we decided that we got tired of saying pretty much everything is the same, um, and we wanted to talk about some of the sort of ancillary sports. So not the the most common pro sports. We wanted to talk about some of the lesser talked about sports. And honestly, like some of the sports have, that have been playing through all of this Mm -hmm. um and i think some of the easiest sports to to do social distancing and everything so i want to kick it off with golf which we have been watching recently um U S open coming up pretty soon. Uh, you know, everyone just wants to know is Tiger Woods going (laughs) to (laughs) win. That's what I feel like, uh, my household is wondering all the time. Important (laughs) questions. (laughs) Right. Right. So, um, back in March, the, the players championship was canceled just like hours after the end of the first round. Um, and then all of the other tournaments after that were just like, taken off the schedule up until um, the, the Masters. And then in March, then they also announced, okay, now the Masters is going to be postponed. Um, it had always been in April, every year since 1945, and uh, they announced then the next month in April that it was going to be November 12th through 15th. So we're still looking at it this fall. Uh, no spectators in attendance. There haven't been any spectators in attendance in, in the ones that they had. So then, on June eleventh, they returned for the first time since uh, since they closed down in March, and they started with in Fort Worth, Texas, at the Charles Charles Schwab Challenge. So some of the issues that they were most concerned about honestly was after a couple months off, they were concerned that the golfers wouldn't be in shape to walk (laughs) the 18 holes. And at first I kind of laughed, but then it's like, okay, you have the potential to walk 18 holes four days in a row in Texas in like really, really hot, month.
0: When you put it that way, I feel bad about laughing. Like at first you're like, okay, like you're going, you're hitting the ball, you're walking, like I'm not in good shape, but I'm walking several miles a day. But yeah, when you put it that way, especially in Texas, and it's not like you can be like, oh, we'll just play in the morning. Like (laughs) that's not
1: how it goes yep yep pretty (laughs) much so when they decided to get everybody back there was this pre-travel screen so they sent an at-home test and they got it through the mail which i'm kind of like why is there not an at-home test for everyone right so they get this test kit in the mail and it's like a saliva based collection test and then they would do a zoom call with a healthcare professional to make sure like they were doing it right and answer any questions um properly packaging it up and and shipping and everything like that and the actual collection process took just like five minutes and then they got the results within 24 to 48 hours so um I feel like that should be an option for everyone um instead of going to these testing st- sites but maybe these are crazy expensive or I don't know yeah. I don't know why everyone doesn't have there's no telling at this point there's really such
0: a laundry list of reasons you could point
1: to right so then uh once they traveled since you know there was an opportunity for exposure while they were traveling then they once they got to the host city for the tournament that they would have to um get tested again and if there was an initial positive test result at first it was like send you home. But then once they kind of started talking about it and realizing that there could be these false positives, then they said, okay, if there is a negative, then, and the person is asymptomatic, not having any symptoms, then if they have two negative tests afterwards, at least 24 hours apart, then they can return to competition. So um, kind of mitigated the, the possibility of these false positives made it a little more um a little more less all or nothing yeah 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 got rid of kind of that um the possibility that somebody would kind of be screwed over um then once that once those tests were negative then they could go out to the course and use the facilities and the clubhouse and everything like that there were the same sort of like screening questionnaires and temperature checks, everything that that we've heard everywhere else. Um, And then there was a third scheduled test during the competition week for anybody who traveled using like the, the charter flights to the next tournament location, everything like that. Um, So there were those three different tests for everybody. And then one thing that I thought was really interesting was, so they have these trailers that they've had for years on site, like a physical therapy and trainers and everything like that in these trailers that go from site to site and the, the athletes can work out and everything in there. And so they started to, look at those trailers and look at some options there using social distancing, showing them how to do the stretches as opposed to kind of touching them and showing, you know, them by touch, how to use them. So those, those were really the, the biggest possibility I think for the transmission is within those trailers, because I mean, you're outside for the rest of it and you're can be, plenty more than six feet apart from everybody else so i feel like golf and golf is one of those things also that like everyone's been out golfing during Mm -hmm. this you know like not just the professionals the the golf courses have been booked and open and everything like that during all of this so it was kind of a no-brainer for them to get back to professional golf as well
0: yeah, absolutely. Once you take kind of, like, the periphery out of it, once you don't have the fans, once you remove some of, like, the points of contact to some of the support stuff, I think that makes it a lot easier. And that's actually kind of similar to tennis. I know that yeah. there was people I – saw, I saw, like, an article a couple months back that was like, can I play tennis during, like – lockdown and stuff because that's what some people had picked up because you could go and you would be doing something you know more social but you have to stay farther apart when you're playing so I thought that was really interesting but um U.S. tennis has been shut down for about seven months now um just one of those things where as you're learning and as you're kind of getting new information obviously they've now found what they believe to be safer ways to do it, but it took some time and just letting everything calm down, especially when you have people who travel from all over the world, um, like tennis especially has. There's a lot more that goes into kind of the mitigation and planning, but um, they have restarted here in the States. They are super excited to do so, and so they have adopted all sorts of super strict testing behavioral protocols. Um, this article from USA Today said that their like run of testing was about the length of a runway at Laguardia. Like they had just person after person. They have basically every test you can think of. Just kind of doing their best to mitigate everything um and with all that um, they actually only had one Positive test for this upcoming tournament. So, um, unfortunately, it was a pretty good one. So, it was Benoit Perez, who was the 17th seed at the Open. So, um, definitely a little bit of a bummer to have someone come in there, but they caught it right away. So, um, he was the second positive in over 7,000 tests that they have administered since the 15th of August. And so they had a non-player with a positive test, and that was just a couple days after the testing began. And then since then, um, he was the first one, and that was on the 30th. So everyone else, the whole field, pretty much was able to compete. And obviously there were people that opted out, you know, people who are coming from um, maybe stricter countries or maybe people looking at it and saying, hey, you know, my country looks pretty good. I'm not really too keen on going to the U.S. right now. Obviously, that's um, a pretty valid concern, as we talked about, you know, weeks ago with some of the baseball and stuff like that. But uh, they were able to uh, replace him in his match. Um, So that actually ended up not being the end of the world, obviously, especially since he didn't go in there. And then they had a really, really crazy thing happen where – they issued an unsportsmanlike conduct fine to a guy who wasn't playing that day because they had they saw him violating protocol with his group. And so they issued him a fine because they're essentially in like a bubble for yeah. um, the US Open. And one of the rules is that um, if you don't have a racket in your hand, you are going to be wearing a mask and social distancing, and so um, apparently his player entourage was violating the protocols and regards to universal masking. This was um, the second-ranked player there, Dominic Tibb. and so they issued him a fine. He's, I mean, he's still playing and stuff, but yeah, he got fined fifteen hundred bucks because. And it's funny because he's like one of the more well-known guys out there. And so he was quoted in like a bunch of articles talking about how, yeah, you know, I think their protocols are good. I think that they're smart. I think that we should be able to do this fine. And then all of a sudden they have him going out there And getting fined. And it's just, it's interesting because it's one of those things where it's like, yep, no one's above the rules. Yep. And it's just, yeah, like, it's difficult because there's just so many people there. There's so many things going on. It's after such a long hiatus, they really can't risk anything. And so, yeah, it's it's really interesting that uh, something so quote-unquote minor would end up being you know, difficult to follow. But when you haven't been in that kind of environment, I suppose maybe it takes a little bit of an adjustment. But that's where tennis is at. They've just started the Open. And so I'm sure that we'll see more going on in the next, you know, week or so. But they're there, no fans, unfortunately. I was telling you, um, I like to watch tennis, but I don't exactly understand all the time. And so it's very confusing when there's not fans there because I rely on the fans to tell me what's happening and what's good and what's not good. So now I just really pay attention to the reaction of the athletes and maybe I'll actually learn a little little something.
1: That's hilarious. Well, the Kentucky Derby is coming up this weekend, and this is kind of what made me think about that because I love horse racing. I worked in horse racing in Chicago and in New Orleans right out of college, and so I was around horse racing for like the first two years of my professional career and really came to love the sport of horse racing. So the Derby is this weekend. Um, Typically it's the first leg of the triple crown and it's the first Saturday in May, but they rescheduled it um, back. March April when all of this was happening and they realized you know we're not going to be able to do this. So they rescheduled it for this weekend September 5th. Um a lot of the tracks honestly stayed open um and stayed racing. I I kept being very surprised that I would see it. And honestly, not a lot of people knew that it was going on because it's not on the traditional ESPN. It's not on, you know, ABC, unless it's the the Derby. like Unless it's the Triple Crown, you're not going to find it on any station, really, unless it's like TVG or one of the racing channels. So um, it, it a lot of the people, if they weren't, already super interested in racing didn't even realize that they were still racing but really the money in racing comes in the wagering and with the increase in like just being able to pop onto your phone and you know use one of those racing apps to to bet on a horse race it makes it really easy and so they didn't really need to have the spectators they didn't really need to have people in the otb the off-track betting facilities anything like that for them to make money so kind of kind of you know capitalized on no other sports betting happening Mm -hmm. for a good chunk of time um i think that they probably could have done a little better at capitalizing on that i think that um I think that if there was more of a like universal governing body for the for horse racing, I think they could do a little better at marketing the sport in general. But horse racing, if you if you want to get on that, let me know. I have some ideas.
0: (laughs) Just a little nebulous. There's (laughs) there's so many different like aspects of it from what I understand. Like there's just when you don't have the central. One person or one group that's saying, all right, we're doing this, then everyone can go do their own thing. And it can be completely conflicting. And it's hard to like negotiate, especially for television and stuff like that when it's not coming from just one central person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, N- the NBA has the NBA. Horse racing has I mean, they have like Churchill Downs, they have the Triple Crown, yeah. but the, the Churchill Downs is a collection of races in one location, and the Triple mm-hmm. Crown is obviously just three locations, and there's there's just hundreds of different locations with horse racing. So anyways, the, the Pimlico also decided to reschedule the Preakness, which is one of the other uh, legs of the Triple Crown, but the Bel- Belmont Stakes did... Um, Happened. It was held on June twentieth. Uh, they did trim it down since it, instead of since it was the first leg, they trimmed it down from one and a half to one and an eighth miles. So that was one of the changes this year, just as a result of of all the changes for that. Uh, both the Belmont and the Churchill Downs spring spring meets they had in May and June without spectators. Um, they first said that they were going to allow spectators at the Derby, but then they decided that they weren't going to since there was a huge increase in cases in Kentucky and they kind of saw the writing on the wall that no one else was having. Yeah. So another thing is usually at the Kentucky Derby they have a 14 stall um, starting gate and this year they're going to use a 20 stall starting gate. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll cut down on some of the congestion at the start of the race. It, It was a pretty old starting gate. So Try and really, that's that's the only time that that the racers are, that the jockeys are in close quarter that have to be in close quarters without wind and everything, you know, while they're running is in the starting gate. So trying to spread them out a little bit um, at the start of the race. But that also kind of pushes, I think, just as a betting note, that pushes the, the favorite Tis the Law who won the Belmont. Belmont That pushes them. They're in the 17th position. That's going to push them out pretty far. Yeah, I mean, still a three-to-five wager, but I don't know. I I don't see how they win the, the Derby, but – prove me wrong prove, <laughs> prove me wrong tis the law i just think that the writing on the wall is that you're not gonna win the triple it's the
0: things that people don't think about or if you're not following in you're just like oh okay i'll just throw a bet on there and you don't know that there's those like seemingly minor differences that in the end end up making like
1: pretty right right if he was in like the five position i would say okay easy win but that's far out that's a far out he has to make up all he has to run further than all but one of the horses Mm -hmm. basically so um uh, another couple things so typically there are some horses from Dubai that, um, qualify, but they didn't, they didn't run the qualifying races in Dubai. So all of the horses are going to be North American horses, just a random, um, fact that nobody except for, um, horse racing people really care about i will say if you've never watched like any races in dubai once they get up and going again try and find them um i mean look on youtube or anything like that they do it up right like dubai has some serious horse racing but that that's really all that's going on in the horse racing world i'm interested to see i'm just interested to see the kentucky derby without like the big kentucky derby hats and all right. you know, like, all the, the event, the spectacle of it. Yeah, yeah. All the celebrities that are there, and <laughs> like, you know, I'm just nobody's in the paddock. It's just the horses and just the trainers and the jockeys and everything like that. And and to see, also, I'm curious if if you guys do watch this weekend. I'm curious to see what they do. Um, they kind of in the winter circle kind of gather everybody around to take a picture, all of the owners um, and everything gather around to take a picture with the winner. So I'm curious who rushes down there. If it's just the trainer that rushes down there or right. if the owners are going to have the opportunity. Who so, makes the
0: cut there? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's horse racing in 2020. Jeez.
0: Well, uh, NASCAR is heading into their, end of the season, heading to the championships here. And um, they have had fairly strict regulations as far as um, people who test positive. So if a driver has tested positive, they cannot return to racing until they have two negative test results, a minimum of 24 hours apart, and are cleared by a personal physician. So that in itself is very standard from what we've seen in most of the leagues. Um, The atypical part is that NASCAR isn't conducting any of its own testing. So what that means is you have to go of your own accord and get tested. Um, They've had two people who did miss a race during the regular regular season because of a positive COVID test. So one was Austin Dillon, and he had already won a race. Um, and then one was Jimmy Johnson. The issue here is that if you don't start a race, you don't receive the championship points. So not being able to, uh, go in these races ended up really impacting these drivers. So Austin Dillon, since he had won a race, received a waiver to remain championship eligible. Jimmy Johnson, on the other hand, did not compete at Indianapolis, received no points, and he didn't end up making the postseason. So, It's kind of a crazy situation there because it's one thing to have these regulations in place. Obviously, you don't want people who are positive running around and getting in contact with other people. But for that to be the requirements and then to not have testing requirements puts a lot of pressure on the drivers themselves to essentially be trusted just to do the right thing. Uh, they decided to continue this into the postseason, where, I mean, you're not just like, oh, losing a point and then trying to have to make it up. Like, this is really do or die here. And so there's speculation that there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of NASCAR drivers who have insisted, you know, I think that we're all trying to do the right thing. I think that we're all going to be smart, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, the question is there that, if someone does think that maybe they were exposed and especially if there's someone who's asymptomatic, because like Jimmy Johnson never showed any symptoms. He went to go get tested because his wife um, either tested positive or was in contact with someone who tested positive. I think it was his wife tested positive. So he went to be responsible, go get tested and he tested positive. Well, he never even showed symptoms. So when it comes down to the home stretch of the season I mean, there's there's some people who maybe don't have uh, the strongest morals all the time in sports. I don't know. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. How would you feel? I mean, especially considering if this were in any other sport, it, it would be, I think, instant backlash because people are more up in each other's faces. Since it's NASCAR, maybe they get away with it because you can technically, like, stay to your own car, stay to your own pit. But I don't know. About you. Uh, I'm... I'm surprised that they don't have
1: on-site testing. Honestly, like I feel like you saying that, I'm like, can we fact-check this? Like, (laughs) I know, you know, is that for real?
0: Like that just they have they have a health screening process.
1: Yeah, that
0: that includes a temperature check upon arrival. But that everyone with COVID gets a fever. Like that's a fact. Right. So it's it's either just really trust them to do the right thing, not wanting to have to mess with it themselves, not wanting to have to take on the financial costs to test every single person that walks in there. Yeah. But it puts them at, I think, a really uneven playing field because you don't know what everyone else is doing. You don't know how responsible everyone else is being. So these guys have been saying, like, yeah, we've been taking this, like, obscenely seriously with the social distancing, with the masking, with staying away from any." any person that I can't account for because otherwise it could completely sacrifice their season.
1: That's wild. And they like NASCAR was one of the first to come back. Like racing Mm -hmm. came back um, really early. And so that just like surprises me that, I don't know, you, you, you shocked me with that information.
0: <laughs> I mean, especially, I think that one of my biggest things is when they say that only two guys in the entire season missed a race due to testing positive, there's no way that only two drivers right. ever had COVID. There's no way.
1: And they're, they're just running around doing whatever. Yeah. They're not in a bubble or anything.
0: Right, right, yeah. So it's like those two guys. Like Dylan, thankfully got the waiver, but Johnson's just like they were. Some some reporters were talking to him, asking him about what he thought of uh, like still needing to start the race to get your points and stuff like that. And he said something like, "Yeah, well, they're going to have to worry about it more than I will because he didn't qualify for the postseason because of that." you know, obviously there's other finishes affected it, but yeah, not having any points from that race, he didn't get to run. And I'm
1: sure like that they weren't expecting to have such a big name, not mm -hmm. qualify. You know what I mean? Like that stinks. If I were him, like I'd be super bummed about it. Like I get it, but Mm -hmm. that's tough. That's a tough one. And props to him for being honest about it too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Going to get tested and everything. Like to, to me, that, like, kind of makes me a Jimmy Johnson fan that you yeah, did that.
0: To me, it's almost like if the MLB didn't let you make up games and you still – you didn't have to have, like, a certain win percentage. You had to have a certain number of wins yeah. to make the postseason, but they also weren't testing everyone. Like, right. <laughs> that's the best comparison I can make just because – it's all or nothing. Like you either start the race or you don't, and you either test positive or you don't. And it's, I don't know, like I I was going through so many articles because I'm like, I have to be missing something, but no, they just, they just decided that doing their own testing wasn't going to be, wasn't going to be part of the deal.
1: Interesting. Well, honestly like if you want more racing information <laughs> i feel like the whole cyclone fanatic crew kind of got into hor- or to, yeah. to auto racing <laughs> for a while there
0: because of connor um but i'm sure always- they could clarify more yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna get messages like well, actually let me, <laughs> let me let me let me educate you which yes. please if i'm off base please educate
1: me. yes we would love to know but i mean if you want to talk about racing go to always race day and And check out what the guys are doing there. Talk to Connor Ferguson on Twitter. He is always willing to talk about NASCAR and racing. And he's just like, he has so much knowledge about racing. It's kind of cool. Absolutely. Kind of like me and every other sport. I just have so much knowledge. Just Just a a wealth of knowledge. (laughs) A wealth of knowledge. I'm like, what's something that I know a lot about? Like, I don't really know. Like, baking. Yeah, I know a lot about bake. I know, I know a little about a lot of things. I always say, like, what is it? Jack of no, it's not
0: jack of all trade. It's like. Master of none, or something. Yeah, it's it's like it's the like jack of all trades, but master of none. Like you can do a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's none of it's perfect.
1: Yeah, but I'm not very good at any of it. But <laughs> so <laughs> modest. Right. I know, I know. All right, guys. Well, um, we're actually going to be taking this podcast off of Cyclone Fanatic to kind of make way for this huge football season that's coming up. Uh, so just. Just keep on our Twitters and, and see where this uh, where this podcast ends ends up. Thank you so much for everybody who's been listening to us uh, the last couple weeks. And, I mean, just get pumped about Cyclone football and and check out everything Cyclone. More sports! Yes, college more sports! sports. But we're very excited for it. We love pro sports, but we, we really love college sports. So um, until next time, I'll see you later. <laughs> See you guys. (laughs)